But Psalms chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hath set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now, I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 21. But this chapter, the thing that I love about this chapter is David, it's almost as though I could just kind of picture him maybe out with the sheep, looking at the stars, looking at the, and just pondering the universe, just pondering the beauty of God's creation. And when he looked at the creation, his thoughts just, Lord, you're excellent. How excellent is thy name? And he's trying to figure out a way to put it. You know, he said, you know, when I consider thy heavens, when I consider what you've done, what is man that you would even think about him? And, and so David, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, because he gets prophetic in this chapter too, we're not going to go into all of that. But, I mean, I personally think David did a pretty good job expressing himself right here. Have you ever found yourself in that place where you just didn't know how to express yourself and just give proper words for something? You know, as a preacher, you know, that's, I, I feel that way about many things in the Bible. It's like, man... I really hope I can express this in a way that people get a hold of what I'm saying. I'm, I'm really excited about my message I'm preaching tonight. I'm preaching a message on, on forgiveness tonight. That there are some things that I hope I can put into words what the Bible teaches about the subject of forgiveness. Because it is, it's a deep, it is a beautiful thing. And to figure out how to say it can be very difficult. And David here is kind of expressing that. But notice in verse 2, he says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. He mentions out of the mouth of babes. And Jesus, interestingly enough, he quotes this verse in Matthew chapter 21. This is the story that uh, involves the famous triumphal entry. And if you remember, uh, Jesus comes in and people are shouting and praising him as they should have. But it says in verse 12, and Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables and the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and look at this, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And notice here, children, they were in the temple. They were a part of the service and what was going on. And notice they were praising God too. And, and that term, Hosanna, that is, that's, that's like a hallelujah term. It's like a term of praise. It means, oh, save or save us. What an appropriate thing to say in the presence of Jesus Christ. And obviously he was worthy to be praised, but not just because of who he was, because of what he was doing. He's healing people. He's doing miracles. The Bible says he's doing wonderful things. And so 
These little children are there praising him. Now, this upsets the Pharisees. They don't like this. And it says in verse 16, And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. And basically, I think the reason Jesus is referring to this is he's just showing how sometimes the most important things, they're so simple that the most complete understanding of those things that you can get, you can get from little children. They're obviously the ones who can grasp these things the most. And kind of what made me, what kind of inspired this sermon, I, I had, I've had several conversations recently just explaining different um, cultural things within the IFB world. Okay? And there are, there's, there's cultural things about us. I've talked about that before. We don't see suits and ties in the Bible. They weren't singing Bible truth hymns uh, you know, in Paul's day. But we do those things, and we take a pretty strong stand on those things. But what's funny, and so you know, I'm somebody, too, who I pay, I pay attention to why people do things they do. And I know how to recognize when it's cultural versus when it's a Bible command. And so I'm, I'm just kind of intrigued by that. And so you know, sometimes I'll be explained to old IFB, like new IFB cultural things, because you know, they, they don't understand that. Often I'm, uh, I'm explaining old IFB cultural things to new IFB people, and they, they don't understand. And it's like, you know, I get it. I'm familiar with these worlds. I can kind of understand these things. But what's funny, when you're talking to new Christians about anything of these cultural things, sometimes they say the most profound things. That's like, you know what? Sometimes I think we overcomplicate some things. It's like, that's a really good point. And I, I find that a lot when you're talking even just to baby Christians. Sometimes they can kind of put you in your place. And it's just like, and, and, you know, and I, I've seen that too with kids. Even little kids, sometimes they'll ask, you know, mommy and daddy questions, you know, like, you know, mommy, daddy, why are you getting on to me for saying these words when you say them all the time? It's like, good point, you know, and, you know, and, and often when you hear things like that, that's when you say, you know, the, out of the mouth of babes, you know, you'll hear that reference. And so, you know, often in life, when we get older, you know, we do, we, we learn a few things and then we tend to complicate them. In a way where, we, you know, we almost have a more difficult time understanding those things. And that shouldn't be the case. And this morning, I want us to look at a few things that the Bible, it goes to great lengths to teach people. Yet somehow, some of these things that are really important in the Bible, that are like crucial parts of our Christianity, sometimes kids get these things better than adults do. And, and, and that is, a, a, and we're going to see that the Bible explains that very thing. And again, God has taught me many things in my life through my children. You know, he's, I mean, God's taught me a lot about just trusting him through my children. Because there's all these things the Bible tells us not to do, and we don't always know why. And so a lot of times as Christians, we're like, well, I'm just going to do it anyway because I don't understand it. Well, you know what? We all hate it when our kids do that. You know, we don't want to, you know, and I've used this illustration before. You don't want to have to explain to your kids in detail why they shouldn't talk to strangers. Listen, I just watched a documentary last night about Jeffrey Dahmer. Right? There's a good reason not to talk to strangers. But you know what? I'm not going to tell my kids the details of what people like him do. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because 
They're not ready for those things, but they should trust me. And it's like, you know, the Lord's used that with my kids before. It's like, you know what? You just need to trust me. If I tell you to do something, you should do it. You don't have to understand it. And there's a lot of things like that. And so some things that we can learn from children, and we see this in the Bible. And the first thing we see and what's going on here in Matthew chapter 21 is we can learn from children how to praise, how to praise God. Praising God is something that we are supposed to do as Christians. And notice that there's response. They are, they're praising Jesus in, in, in the congregation. And notice how while the Pharisees, they got upset and they thought, this is inappropriate behavior right here. This is inappropriate praise. Jesus said, you know, out of the mouth of babes, now is perfected praise. They're the ones that are getting it right. Like if you want to find out how you should be reacting right now, what you should be doing, you should look at the little kids. And you know, there's a way that we should act. There's a way that we should respond. And there's a way that we should participate in praising the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not preaching a message just on this subject, but that's one of the reasons that we come together as a people. We come together to praise the Lord, to unite in worship. That is something that we all have in common. And let me tell you something. When it comes, you know, when it comes to ministry, we talked about this a while back. There's a lot of different parts of the body, aren't there? We've all got different parts of the body. We all have different things that we do. We all have different ministries that we work in. But let me tell you, when it comes to church, when it comes to the assembling, this is the one thing that we all have in common. We can all unite it and that we should all participate in. There's some things we do. Not everybody maybe has to participate in it. But when it comes to the worshiping of God, I believe everybody should participate. I believe when it comes to the singing, everyone should participate. We see even here in the Bible, the kids were participating in what was going on. And when we come together and we're, we, we pray, that's the way we worship. When we praise, when we do all these things, we should do it together. And folks, this is the most important thing, okay? Fellowship afterwards, that's a blessing. That's not the most important thing. Don't go cooking your food, all right, during the assembling time, all right? That's not time for you to, you know, skip out and, you know, I'm going to go uh, get, no, no, no. That's not time to do that. We're here to worship together, okay? That's a bonus, okay? We do, that's bonus. We do that later. It's church time right now. It's worship time right now. Oh, you don't understand. That's my, that's, no, this is all our ministry, okay? This assembling, coming together to hear the preaching of the word of God, this is something we all unite on. It's the most important thing. The practices, the other things that we have going on, those are important things too. But you know what? Don't come to all those things and then skip out on worship time. Okay? The church service is the main thing that we're doing right here. All these other ministries, fantastic. And you know what? A lot of people do that. They'll have their one ministry. They'll come. They'll do their thing. And then you can't find them. It's assembly time. Listen, a church is an assembly. This is assembly time. Yeah, not preaching about church attendance or anything, but you know what? Let me just throw it in, throw you know, an extra thing in there. And the praising, it is, it's a huge part of what we do. And again, children should be involved. Uh, Psalms chapter 67, verse 3, look what it says. It says, let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou shalt judge the people righteously, govern the nations upon the earth, Selah, let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Everybody's supposed to do this. We all should be together. Hey, singing time. Well, I get some people aren't very good singers, but you know what? You, you should do your best. You should participate. You should at least look like. You're, you should at least look like you're doing it. Psalm 148.1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. 
Praise him, all ye his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. And praise him, all ye stars of light. Jump down to verse 12. Both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. So, folks, this praising God, this is a big thing that we're supposed to be doing in church. And I, I'm glad we're getting, I, I think we ought to try to get better at it. I think we should try to excel in that. We see that in the Old Testament. You had the musicians and you had the singers. And it would talk about how some of them, how they excelled. And I thank God that all the kids that we have getting involved in the worship, that's biblical. And it, it's right. God is pleased with it. It is a blessing. And let me, you know, I, I like even seeing when like the little kids that don't even know how to talk start singing. You see some of these little babies, and they hear everybody doing, they just start, ah, and they're, they're trying, and it's off key. It's like, listen, never rebuke that, okay? There's times when you need to shut your kids up during service and things like that, you know, if they're crying, screaming, throwing a fit. I, I get that. But listen, if they're just trying to happily sing along with us, I, I don't care if they're singing the wrong words or the wrong note or singing in tongues or whatever, let them do it. That's a good thing. That, that, that's a blessing uh, just just last week when we were at camp down at Revival, uh, in our room we were in across the hall, uh, I could hear, you know, little kids playing in another room. And there's this little kid, he was two years old. And you know how kids, they'll just, ay, 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 he, you know, they'll just kind of like make noise. He was doing this, ay, 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 noise. And he was doing it to the tune of come and dine. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was super cute. And I'm just like, that's a good thing. I mean, that kid doesn't even know, but he's praising the Lord. You know, that, that just shows us what he's hearing. And let me tell you something. I'm planning on, I, I usually preach a message about music around inspiration time. And I, I'm planning on, on, on talking about, again, how we can really get this good, right kind of music and worship in your heart that will help you enjoy it more. Some of you, know, some of you might not enjoy this kind of singing that much. And there's a reason for that. Okay, it's because you have an appetite for the wrong kind of music. And there's ways you can change your appetite. And you probably, and if you, if you don't enjoy this worship, this praise that's going on, you need to change your appetite. Okay? We're going to help you go on a diet. All right, that's, that's what we're, you know, that's, I guess we can call it that. But Psalm 150, verse 6 says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. And again, it is, it is precious hearing little kids try to sing along. I love it. We should encourage it. You hear a little kid in this church giving his all, singing out. I think it's cute, too, when they're like three years old and they're holding a songbook singing. They can't read. They, they're not even on the right page. But you know what, folks? That's, that's part of training. All right? Hand your three-year-old a book. And, and, and I've, I've had that with my kids before when they used to sit with us. They would always want me to turn it to the pa- right page, too. They didn't, know, they didn't know how to read it. But you know what? You turn it to the right page. Why? Because you're encouraging them to participate. And so having said all this, too, about showing praise, because we're, we're actually supposed to be showing the next generation how to praise. Psalm 79, 13 says, So we thy people and the sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. And so while we're supposed to be teaching them, again, sometimes we have a tough time expressing how that's to be done. It's hard for us to put it in words. It's hard to explain it. How can I praise? And you know what? I mean, let's just talk about that for a minute. How should we praise? What is appropriate praise? Should we all be doing, you know, praising like this, like they do in some churches? 
Should we be going full camp meeting and running glory laps? I mean, you know, how are we supposed to be praising? What's it supposed to look like? How can we know we're expressing ourselves in the right way? I mean, have you ever felt like doing something before, but you weren't sure if that was appropriate in this church? Again, I get it. We're north of the Mason-Dixon line. But you know what? I'm just here today to tell you, based off of observance, or I, say, I should say things I've learned out of the mouth of babes, you know, I don't think it's inappropriate to get a little excited, to have a little movement when it comes to singing in church. Okay, so, for example, when, when kids praise, you know, kids, they don't typically hold back. When a kid gets excited about something, they typically give their all, don't they? You know, I think, I think we can learn from that. You know, kids, too, when they're singing a song, and you can tell, and they're excited to do it, mom and dad's not just making them sing, they usually have a big smile on their face, too. They, they sing out, they sing loud, they got a smile. You know, some of you look like you're passing kidney stones sometimes when you're singing. You say, that's really mean. I used to tell my kids that all the time. I'd see some of the videos of us singing. You guys like, you guys look like you're passing kidney stones, all right? Can you guys try to look pleasant? While we're singing, I get it. You know, when you're up there, you're nervous and everything like that. But you know what? No, nobody's watching you except the song leader, and he's got a whole bunch of people he's got to watch. So he's, nobody's singling you out, okay? So you don't have to be nervous. And, and you know, we're praising God right now. And, you know, if, if, if lost people come in, they should see excited people, not miserable people that look like they're being forced into sing. Because, you know what, they've got an appetite for the wrong kind of music, too. And they're probably not going to particularly care for our music that they hear when they first come in. But let me tell you something, excitement's contagious. And if they come in and they see a bunch of people smiling, you know, and, and see people excited, they just might get caught up in it. And it'll probably rub off on them. And I challenge you to do this. You know, go watch any musical, okay? Like a musical on TV or even, you know, just uh, a concert or a happy song. One thing, too, and we don't really do this, and I, I'm not talking about being fake or anything like that, but when you watch professionals, not only are they good singers, but they smile like crazy when they sing. And he's like, why, why do they do that? You know why? Because... People enjoy that. There's just something about happy people. We like to see it. You know what? God likes happy people too. And don't fake a big Joel Osteen smile, you know, you know, during the singing. But I'm just telling you, don't hold back. Just be real. Okay? Just, just be real. And kids, they do. They tip, typically, they'll sing loud. Did you know too with kids? Lord showed me this years ago. I preached, I, I, I preached the message on should we have dancing in the church. And before I preached it, I remember, you know, because I'm just going to tell you right now. Dancing is obviously not a sin. The Bible says praising with a cymbal and, a tim, a and dance. Okay? Dancing in church is not a sin. And I preached a whole message on why we're, not, why we're probably not going to implement dancing in our services. And it's because dancing is also very cultural. And in our culture, almost all the dancing is really bad. Okay? And, 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 and don't even try to tell me dancing is not cultural. If I, did, if I was not afraid to embarrass myself right now, I could do some dance moves right now, and you all would immediately associate it with another country. If, if I just crossed my arms like this and squatted down and started kicking my legs, what, you, what would you all think? Okay. Okay, you, all would th you all would think of a country, wouldn't you? You know why? Because dancing's cultural. And our American culture has rubbed off on us, and almost all of our dancing is sensual. Okay? And, and so... 
the thing is, I'm scared to death to implement dancing in church because I'm pretty sure our culture is going to rub off and come off in it so bad. But if you want to know what appropriate dance moves look like in church, I remember I saw it with, with Allie and Lana when they were real little in our old building on the platform. It was before service when my wife's practicing playing music. And you know what? They were dancing. You know, and it typically would involve spinning, twirling. But little kids, okay, little kids, they do. They, watching how they dance, there's a way that they dance that's an excited dance. There's, just, there's like a happy dance. Now, those kind of dance moves are not real popular. They're not going to make it on any of the latest music videos and things that are being released right now. All right, you know, Katy Perry and Hannah Montana and all those people, they're not going to use those dance moves on their next music videos. But at the same time, too, you know what? These, those kids in that moment are just enjoying themselves. They're happy. And if it gets expressed in that way, you know, it's not a sin. Okay? It's not a sin. Now, again, we're not supposed to draw attention to ourselves. All right, so ladies, I don't want none of you all twirling in the next song because if you're the only one doing it, especially, everyone's going to be looking at you. And again, go listen to my message I did on that. That was several years back. I still stand by what I said in there. But I'm not going to go as far as saying uh, dancing is a sin. I just, because it's, it's in the Bible. And so there is, there's an innocence and an honesty that children have when they praise the Lord. And we have, we've lost so much of our innocence in a lot of areas. It is, it's hard for us. It would be, it would be hard for us to appropriately dance. Because all we know are the dance moves that we see out in the world. And, and that obviously is not appropriate for church. So praising the Lord. You want to know how to do it? Watch the children. And God's perfected praise in them. Another area where we can learn from children is in how to have faith. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. It says, At the same time the uh, came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little children which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And notice how, I mean, how serious Jesus took this here. We see another example where people are bringing these small children to Jesus and the disciples are rebuking them. And then Jesus rebuked the disciples. And we see that children, what's so special about them is getting children, there's some faith is a lot easier for them. And what, what is it that pleases God? Faith. In fact, you can't please God without faith. The disciples, when they're asking who's the greatest, they're probably thinking it's whoever's done this work, whoever's done that work, who's ever accomplished this thing. But what has always pleased God, going all the way back to Enoch. What do we know about Enoch from the Old Testament? Very little, except that he walked with God. But you know what the Bible tells us? He had this testimony in the New Testament that he pleased God. And, how, and obviously, and how? The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. Enoch was a man of great faith, and that please God. God is pleased by faith. God is not pleased by our works. God's not pleased by our performance of the law. God's pleased by things that are of faith. And so because you, you know, some of you, you might come in here and you know exactly how to act. You know exactly how to sing. 
You know exactly how to follow what everyone else is doing, but you're just kind of going through the motions. You're not doing it from the heart. You're not really doing it of faith. And I'm glad you're doing the right thing. But the truth is, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. But, you know, little children, again, they do pretty much everything by faith. Faith is a, is a more natural thing for them. And God is pleased with what they're doing. And that's why when it comes to religious things, when it comes to spiritual things, we don't want to exclude the kids. We want to include them in everything we possibly can because they make a bigger impact than we realize because when we're doing anything, the goal should be to please God. And since it takes faith to please God, you know, wouldn't we try to get the people who have the most faith involved? So, I mean, I think it just makes sense, strategically speaking, to just include kids in anything spiritual that we're going to do because they're so good at it. Children understand total dependence. Luke 18, 15 says, And they brought on him also infants that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called on him and said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for as such is the kingdom of heaven. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. You want to know why a lot of people aren't going to get saved? They want the kingdom of God. They want salvation, but they are not willing to receive it as a little child. And let me tell you, little children, they are used to getting stuff for nothing, aren't they? They're used to that. They're used to total dependence. They're used to mom and dad just feeding them because they're their children. Kids don't work for anything. Kids, they just, they mooch, don't they? All right, we've been talking about our church is growing this year because we're having all these kids, but it's not helping our offerings any because these little kids aren't contributing any cash. You know, but at the, you know, and so, and you know what they are? They're very entitled right now. All right, all these newest babies that are here in the church, as soon as they get hungry, they're going to start screaming, expecting to get fed. And, and, you know, and, and they don't feel bad that they haven't, you know, done anything to earn it. And they just receive the food. They receive the love. They receive the attention. I, they're used to that. But, you know, when you get older, when they get older, they start getting a little more independent, don't they? You know, your kids are going to get to that age where you're going to go to spoon feed them, and they want the spoon. They want to feed themselves. And of course, they make a big mess. But, you know, you let them do that because you're training them and, and, and all that. But when it comes to getting saved, God doesn't want us trying to save ourselves. God doesn't, because we can't save ourselves. God wants us depending completely on him. And that's why he said, if you aren't willing to receive the kingdom as a child, you're not going to get it. So the worst thing you could do is stop little children from coming to Jesus. They're the ones that are most likely to get it. So the, what basically what we can learn from the story, again, is how to have faith, how to have total dependence. And many people today, today, we will go out and we will knock on people's doors and we will talk to people who want the kingdom of heaven, but they will not be able to receive it because they are not willing to take it like a little child. They're not willing to just accept the free gift and acknowledge a total dependence. I, it's, it's me and Jesus. He's just my co-pilot. No, and you're not even the co-pilot, right? He's the pilot, he's the airplane, you're just a passenger sitting in a seat. Okay? You're, not, you're not doing anything. Children understand unconditional acceptance. You know, so children, 
Children think anything that they see available is theirs for the taking. They see a drink laying around the church. What do they do? They go take a drink. You know, you, when you say, hey, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Nobody understands that better than a kid. When we were at the pumpkin dash the other day with, with Hannah, Hannah found a soda can laying on the ground. Belonged to who knows who. And all of a sudden I look and she grabs it and takes a drink out of it. First off, that's disgusting. Second of all, that's not hers. But, you know, little kids, they're, they're used to that kind of thing. And so children, they're not ashamed to accept a gift. So, and, and if a child is old enough to understand the words of the Scripture, then you know what? They're old enough to be saved. And again, little kids know how to accept a gift. It's adults that struggle with it. And God has perfected, you could say, faith. God has revealed faith through little children. Jesus even pointed to the little children. You be like them if you actually want to get into the kingdom of heaven. And so out of the mouth of babes, I'm telling you, that's where it's at when it comes to salvation, when it comes to faith. Little kids get it. In 2 Timothy 3.15, Apostle Paul writing to Timothy said, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So if a little child is old enough to just understand what the scriptures say, they are old enough to be saved. And thank God for that. But the third thing that we see, the, and the last thing that uh, we can learn from children or that is uh, perfected by them, that we learn out of the mouth of babes, is how to pray. And in Luke eleven nine, Jesus said, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And again, children, they have no problem asking for things. God wants us being that way with Him. You know, it's like we're it's like we're ashamed to go to Him for anything, and you know, may, and maybe too, it's because we don't have faith that He'll give us what we ask for. And none, of, you know, there's something about, and this is a, it's a pride problem. Okay, kids don't have these pride problems like we do. You know, how many of you before have ever been there where maybe you needed help with something, maybe you needed help with a project or what, but you were just ashamed to ask. Because you didn't want to admit you had a need. Or maybe you were ashamed to ask because you were afraid you were going to get shot down. You know, I, mean, I wonder how many guys, they didn't ask a girl out because they couldn't handle rejection. You know what? Sometimes you just got to put yourself out there. And, you know, but, you know, it's pride. I, don't, I can't handle being turned down. But, you know, kids, they see something, they ask. I mean, you know, you can't open a pack of gum in front of your kids. You can't open a drink in front of your kids. What do they do? Can I have some? My wife's thinking that's the same thing with you. You know, with, with you, you're the same way. You know, my wife opens a pack of gum. You know, I don't say anything typically. <laughs> so, sometimes she'll just open a pack of gum and she'll just stick it out before I even put my hand out. But I don't have a problem asking my wife anything. You know why? We're close. Okay, and that's how we ought to be with God. That's what He wants from us. He wants that kind of relationship from us, and unfortunately we do we get so lifted up with pride 
And God has told us, I want you coming to me. He even gave parables about people that were pretty much annoying and annoying leaders asking for things. And he said, do that with me. That's what God wants from us. But yet we're too proud. But you know what? Don't we all want to get prayers answered? Well, if we want to get our prayers answered, you know what we have to do? We have to be like little children. Sometimes you have to be annoying. Sometimes you're going to have to ask more than once. That's what he wants from us. You're going to have to have an attitude of total dependence. You're going to have to be that way. Also, you have to, again, you have to believe he can do it. And again, children, they expect to get what they ask for. I mean, that, that's just kind of why they ask. They expect to get something. They're shocked and sometimes upset when they don't get it. And I'm not saying that that's okay, but it just shows that expectation that they have. Kids expect to get something that they ask for. We ought to be the same way. We don't need to throw a fit when God doesn't give us what we want, when we want it in our time, but we should still be the same way. Children, and again, children don't typically ask for something that they don't think the person is capable of giving. And understand too, there's been many times my children have asked for things that I am not capable of giving them. But you know what? God can meet anyone's expectations. Okay, it doesn't mean God is going to uh, just conform to your will on everything. But understand, if something is according to, according to God's will, you better believe God definitely can do it. He can get that done. And so, again, we, and we could go into many parables showing these different things. We're not going to take time to do it. But it's like God has he's told us over and over again, ask for these things. God has he's given so many passages about prayer. God gave us salvation just, just by, by, because we asked. He gave it. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And, if God, and God had to literally send Jesus to this earth to die to be able to grant that request. How much easier would it be for the one who owns all things to take care of material things? Jesus didn't have to die on the cross for you to get some kind of material blessing. Jesus didn't have to die on the cross for you to get some kind of physical healing. These are all things God can easily do, but for some reason, we don't want to ask. You say, I, I, just, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to ask like I should. And let me tell you, if you want to figure out how, watch your kids. They will, they will show you how to do it. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to be weird and you know, don't go ultra literal on what I'm about to say. But again, I want you to think this thought in your mind. How should I pray? And then those of you that have young children, I want you to pay very close attention to the next time your child comes basically praying to you. Praying just means to ask. And they ask you for something, and just do the same thing. That, that's how. And, and you know, notice how you know, they do. They know who to come to. They, they know, and, and they know how to ask. They have an expectation and again, they have a sin nature too. Don't do the throwing a fit part, you know, if you don't uh, answer it quick enough, things like that. But I think you all get the point. Uh, but turn over to James chapter 4. But sometimes when it comes to these three things, it's almost like we're, it's almost like we're playing dumb and we act like we don't know how to do them. I, I just don't know how I'm supposed to praise. I don't know how to have faith. I'm trying to trust God on this thing, but I'm just really struggling. I don't really know how to do it. You know, I, 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 I want to pray. I just don't know how to pray like I'm supposed to. We see the disciples. They told Jesus, teach us to pray. Again, we, 
you know, it can be a difficult thing. But the truth is, when it comes to all of these things, the reason that we struggle with them, it's not because we don't necessarily have the knowledge. It's not necessarily because God hasn't given us uh, a great illustration. Again, children, they help us with these things. But it's because we have pride. That, that's the difference. You, know, you have to learn how to have pride. And all of us are going to struggle with pride eventually. But, you know, little kids, they don't really know how to have pride yet. That's just kind of something they're going to, they're going to learn eventually. And I, th- I believe that right there is why they are the best sources on where we can learn from these things. They don't have that pride like you and I do yet. But we just, get, we just need to mark it down. We will never accomplish anything with pride. Pride is something that everyone eventually is going to struggle with. But children are more naturally inclined to humility. And that's where we want to be and where we need to be if we want God working in our favor. James 4, 2 says, Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And that's where we are. We're, we're just double-minded on too many things. You know why? Because we have that spiritual side of us that wants all these things that we've been talking about. We want to praise the Lord, right? We want to be people of faith. We want to pray and, and have good communication with God. But we're also double-minded too. We're struggling with sin in our life. If you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with pride, you're going to have a tough time making it in these areas. And what you need to do is you need to get those things right. You got to cleanse your hands. You got to purify your hearts. You got to get rid of that double mind. But again, what our excuse can never be, we just don't know. I don't know how to praise God. And again, is it a sin to lift your hands in church? What do kids typically do when they get excited? I mean, you bring food to little kids. <laughs> Arms usually go up. That's what we do. We're excited. I'm not, I'm not trying to get us to act like charismatics. Again, we've let the culture, because of their weirdness, just subdue us too much. Okay? And we've got to watch this. So I'm going to have to bring up one of these camp meeting guys and you know, let, let them try to rub off on us a little bit. Because I, I, I believe the worship, praise, all these things are very important. And watch these kids. They'll teach you a lot more than you realize. They understand a lot more than we give them credit for. And in many cases, they're ahead of us on some things. And we would do well in these areas to go back to being like children. In these areas, I believe it will help a lot. So with that, let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you so much for uh, this wonderful passage of Scripture we saw in Psalms chapter 8. Thank you, Lord, for all the many children, Lord. We have no excuse to not learn from children around here. There's so many here. We thank you for them, and I pray you'll help us to be like them when it comes to our praise, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our prayer. I pray you'll help us to 
uh, lose pride or whatever it is that's in our life that's uh, hindering our relationship with you. And uh, you'll help us to have victory in these areas. In your name we pray. Amen.